0: ticklish business anyway you look at it come on we'll stick together hello everyone and welcome to ticklish business i'm kristen joined as always by samantha this week it is valentine's day and we decided instead of looking at the couples we love let's look at the couples whose mess we love. We are talking about some of our favorite off-screen, messy, classic film couples. Before we talk about that, though, we'd like to briefly remind everyone that if you haven't checked out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ticklishbiz, you should. We do additional bonus pods, including Double Features, looking at remakes, and based on a true podcast, looking at biopics and true crime. We're planning a special Valentine's episode of Double Features we also have our Six Weeks with the Thin Man series. We also give out regular care packages of movies and gifts and let you guest on an episode. It's at patreon.com slash ticklishbiz. And don't forget to pre order my upcoming book, But Have You Read the Book? 52 Literary Gems That Inspired Our Favorite Movies, coming out on March 7th. You can pre order that wherever you get books. And our new Redbubble store has some fabulous art, all designed by Samantha Ellis featuring your favorite stars, including our popular Makoko mugs, our new Gene Kelly ass work picture. And we have some special saucy old Hollywood valentines that we are going to be putting up there. You can find that at redbobble.com people slash ticklish biz. So let's get into messy couples. This was something that confused people when we started talking about it online. We are not talking about characters. And we are not talking about couples that were on screen in terms of you're dueling Tracy Hepburn-esque characters in something like Adam's Rear. We're talking about off-screen, real-life mess. Samantha, why is this intriguing? Why do we love messy old Hollywood couples?
1: That is actually a much deeper, personal, psychological question than you could have ever imagined asking me, Kristen, because I I really had this fascination my whole life, I feel like. It was almost fate, me even starting to enjoy classic Hollywood and classic movie stars, and a lot of it was from me living in Palm Springs and hearing the dirt and hearing the gossip about these crazy relationships. They were Fairy tale legendary figures to me. They weren't even real people almost to a certain extent sometimes. Going back and digging up this dirt and talking about the juiciness, it's always going to be fascinating to me.
0: We talk now about celebrity in a very different way than we talk about it in old Hollywood. Now every celebrity can curate their personal life, right? So you only get to see the good through their social media. And they're in charge of it. And if a couple gets divorced, it's usually a Gwyneth Paltrow-esque conscious uncoupling. It's very clean and quick, unless there is horrific allegations associated in some way. And then maybe you get the dirt. And even then, it's not really interesting dirt. It's more sad, depressing dirt that you don't really want to know about. It's different because a lot of these stars of the studio system had a studio protecting them and cultivating their image, we didn't really hear about it until they decided to talk about it, usually in memoirs or in on-screen stuff. And by that point, when many of them came forward and started talking about things, they just didn't give an F about anything anymore. So the tea that they often spilled was just giving no Fs about anything. And it is hilarious in some instances a lot of the time we can find some of the frustration that we want some of these couples to be better than they are. And a lot of times, in some instances, I find the humor in just ribbing on some of these people from beyond the grave for how messy their love life is. That's what I gravitate towards. And we both had criteria when we started talking about who we wanted to discuss in this episode. We both said we didn't really want to pick people that were depressing, and that is a fine needle to thread because in some instances, one of the couples I picked, yes, they had depressing lives, but I pretty much just blamed the dude. It's okay, in my we opinion. Blame, we blame the dude around here. Yes.
1: Oh, you know, it is what it is. And
0: in some instances, I will probably bring up Errol Flynn in this episode, if only because one of his relationships is just so hilariously cringe, I have to talk about it because I don't understand to this day how it was just a thing that people were cool with. I don't know. What were your criteria? How do you look at eliminating the depressing element?
1: My vision for this is Valentine's Day. We want to keep it light. We want to keep it fun. We want to keep it gossipy. I will say the biggest couple that I had to omit, as far as I wanted to talk about them, love their relationship, it was messy, but it just crosses a line, is Vivian Lee and Laurence Olivier, (laughs) because you could really get into some crazy dirt with them, and they were just such a fascinating couple, but it was really depressing. (laughs) It was a very depressing relationship.
0: You point out something, though, that I want to remind everybody as we go through this. We pick these couples because we love the relationship. Toxic, maybe in some instances, as it was part of what we are now able to look at in hindsight is finding the silver lining where we're like, I know it's bad and we all have our guilty pleasures. We all have things in life that we know are terrible for us. This is like cheese. We all know cheese is bad but we love cheese. We all eat it. This is the equivalent of that.
1: This is a bit of frustration, too, because we love all of these couples. I wished that all of these couples had remained together. And here we are airing out their dirty laundry because we're like, why? Why did this have to happen? Why did these people have to make these, as Drea used to say, our great co-host Drea used to say, garbage people choices.
0: (laughs) And so many relationships are because of garbage people. too. And some of the people that made decisions in dating who they dated had garbage decision-making skills. I'm not pointing any fingers, Lana Turner. Samantha, Lana Turner made bad garbage men decisions. You cannot deny that.
1: Lana's name came up multiple times in my research of these couples, and I kind of had to dart a little bit, do a little bit of swerving so as not to make this the typical Hollywood love pentagon or hexagon, as these things tend to turn into.
0: Because some of the people that we are talking about, some of the dudes, come on, they were man whores. Some of them were dating other women that maybe cross paths here. Hollywood is a very incestuous town. It still is. Gary Cooper is going to get named here. I could have picked at least eight relationships that Gary Cooper had because Gary Cooper was skanky. That's just who he was. I'm sorry. Samantha, where do you want to start? Because you and I made lists. Where do we go with this? We talked a little bit before
1: recording about couples we were thinking about. I ended up taking so many of your suggestions because how could we have... A true, trashy, messy couple episode without the queen herself, Zsa Zsa Gabor. And I admit that she's essentially one of my favorite classic film stars. Yes, she doesn't really have the work to back it up. Again, I'll be the first to admit that. But I love her so much. So I say all of this in love. I'm talking about George Sanders and the Gabor's as in not just one Gabor. We're going to talk about all of it. In Jaja's Zha autobiography, One Lifetime is Not Enough, she wrote, I love George from the moment that I first saw him up on the screen in the moon and sixpence and made up my mind to marry him. She alleges at the time that he was actually going back and forth between Dolores Del Rio and Jean Tierney. But she didn't care about any of that. All she knew was that she and George were meant to be. <laughs> They were married on April 1st, 1949, but there was jealousy on both sides of their marriage. And weirdly enough, in her book, she jumps right from their marriage to all of the girl crushes that she used to have. They ended up divorcing on April 2nd, 1954. There were several factors at play in their separation, but if I accumulate everything that I've read, the bottom line, in my opinion, is that Zsa Zsa learned the hard way not to meet her hero. And she just had this huge amount of adoration for him, and it was never really returned. He lost a lot of his surface level fascination with her pretty quickly. And from there, he always belittled her intelligence and her career, not unlike many of her other husbands. As we all know, she ended up having eight husbands of her own. George and Jaja did remain friends. And in 1970, Jaja realized that. Both he and her sister, Magda, were lonely, so she decided to play matchmaker, and the two married. They divorced after just a year, but it's definitely turned into one of the crazier old Hollywood stories since he married two of the three Gabors.
0: I just would love to have been a fly on the wall at their dinners, because how could you do that, divorce somebody, and then say, it's okay, I can marry my sister that's not weird at all. I don't know. I just find that to be utterly bizarre. But I will give Jaja credit because I have never been a George Sanders is hot type of person. But I did see the lodger for the first time over the last week or two, and I get it. I get it. I'm not sure if I'm on the train if I would sell my soul, but I get it. Good for her.
1: I, on the other hand, have always been on the George Sanders train. He is the sexiest and. I would probably be doing the exact same thing as Jaja. In fact, I would want it to be a Design for Living-esque thruple. I would want to be in the middle of the <laughs> two in 1954. It always crosses the line into depressing because it's unfortunate to hear a lot of the stories. He just thought that he was so much better than everyone else as it was really the same as the persona that he had on screen. They're just so fun. They're so cute. You can just imagine the kind of <laughs> conversations they used to have.
0: I think the conversations that they have that I'm thinking of are very different because I feel like it would just be Jaja talking about herself and George pontificating about stuff that she clearly has no interest in. Zsa Zsa's quotes about marriage and men are fantastic. They're share level awesome. I do have to support her whole thing about how she never hated a man enough to give him his diamonds back. That's utterly hilarious. Jaja, in the same way as Lana, did they both make garbage men decisions?
1: Oh, absolutely. The thing that Lana <laughs> always used to say was she wanted one husband and eight children and instead she had eight husbands and one child. It was just one decision after another. And I don't think it was all her fault. I just think Back then, men just... Eh, they had different ideas. It wasn't fun for anybody. Although I do think she and Tyrone Power, of course, I'm biased. They were a great couple. If he was to end up with anyone, I think they would have been beautiful together.
0: I can't complain too much because I have women on my list that made similar bad decisions. I'm going to throw out the one that I always bring up. This is probably my favorite favorite old Hollywood couple because just the mess, the mess. And really it is a throuple because you cannot talk about one without talking about the other person that was on the side of everything. It's Lupe Velez and Johnny Weissmuller with the smidge of Gary Cooper in there. I told you Gary would show up because he always does unless he was in a relationship and then he never showed up, which was part of the problem. Lupe Velez Made very bad decisions. She made bad decisions in her career and she made bad decisions in her personal life. But I don't judge her because she was also a badass. She was amazing and I love her so very, very, very much. A lot of her off screen persona supposedly is very similar to her on screen. She was very, very hot tempered, very jealous. A lot of these stories are possibly not true, but I choose to believe that they are. But supposedly, she started dating Gary Cooper. They made a movie called Wolf Song, which is probably best known for allegedly having a Gary Cooper nude scene that is not included in the final edition. They fell in love. And right off the bat, things did not work out because Gary Cooper was what we commonly call a mama's boy. His mother was very, very involved in their relationship. She did not like Lupe. And that led to a lot of problems. They split up. She decided to marry Johnny Weissmuller. They dated off and on. She also dated Errol Flynn right around that time. Because again, if you're not dating Gary Cooper, you're usually dating Errol Flynn. They got married in Vegas. And right off the bat, there were supposedly a lot of public fights to the point that they did divorce after about 10 months. But then she withdrew the petition because they got back together. And then she filed for divorce again. That was dismissed. (laughs) Literally took them three times to get divorced which i find hilarious a lot of the relationship issues were because of gary cooper allegedly the story that i have always heard is that lupe velez had a parrot that at one point johnny weissmuller tried to kill because the parrot kept calling him gary
1: (laughs) oh my goodness
0: There's also another story that Lupe Velez made about her relationship with Gary Cooper that is a little too crass for me to talk about on this podcast. If you ever see me in person, ask me and I will tell you because it's utterly, (laughs) utterly hilarious. What I love about the whole relationship is A, I think we all agree, we champion the messy couples who clearly were fueled by sex and good vibes. (laughs) That's pretty much Lupe. In reading some of the quotes from her about her relationships with Johnny Weissmuller and and Gary Cooper. She liked her a dude that certainly looked like they were definitely sexually potent. In Gary Cooper's case, she disagreed with that and said that it was not that great. She's talking about that. It's hilarious because it knocks your classic film heroes down a peg. It's probably one of the soapier relationships, but I just find them to be utterly, utterly hilarious. The whole thing. I know that Lupe dated Chaplin, I think, and Gable, and she dated polo players. She had a type. She liked big, hulking, tall, salt of the earth looking dudes. And I just love it. I just love all of it.
1: I will say I've definitely heard a lot about Johnny Weissmuller and his personality from Esther Williams' autobiography. <laughs> she definitely had a lot about him to talk about his exploits, his advances. I am not surprised when you take his temper and pair that with Lupe Velez that sparks would
0: fly. This is one of many couples I will bring up that I feel that the relationship was fueled by BDE. Just Google that. If you didn't know what thirst was until you started listening to our podcast, I'm sorry to tell you, you will now have to Google what BDE is. Samantha, where do you want to take us next?
1: Speaking of someone who was said to have BDE, we're going to talk about Frank Sinatra. We're going to talk about Frank Sinatra. Okay, I'm going to
0: disagree on that, but okay. Maybe in his mind. (laughs) Disagree. So much disagree, but okay. I don't know. I mean,
1: (laughs) among the Rat Pack, we can all make our individual rankings. And the answer is Peter Wofford all the time. According to Ava Gardner, he had some BDE. Frank and Ava met during Ava's marriage to Mickey Rooney, and right from the start, he was a gigantic flirt to her, but things really started heating up in 1949 and 1950. And around this time, Howard Hughes had also had a massive interest in Ava. He wasn't worried about any man when it came to Ava except for Frank, because she had a massive thing for bands and singers, and she was already a huge fan of his he could see from the sidelines that this was a recipe for disaster. Frank did eventually leave his wife, Nancy, for Ava, and they were married on November 7th, 1951, but the marriage was rocky. According to Ava in her autobiography, she said, both Frank and I were really high-strung people, possessive and jealous, and liable to explode fast. When I lose my temper, honey, you can't find it anyplace. I just got to let off steam, and he's the same way. Another contributing factor to their marriage issues was the fact that Ava's career was very much on the rise while Frank's was on the decline at the time. We've talked about it during our Ava episode. She had just been nominated for Best Actress for Mogambo, and he was on the tail end of some pretty unsuccessful musicals from MGM in the late 40s. Ava helped use her influence to get him the part of Maggio and From Here to Eternity, which did lead him to winning the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor but they still ended up separating in 1953. They remained friends until her death. I don't know. I don't think they ever really quite gave each other up, in my opinion.
0: Ava is one of those women that I just find her choices in men so questionable. To go from Mickey Rooney to Frank Sinatra, I just don't get it. Now, go with me on this. Frank and Ava always seem like the Pam and Tommy of the classic era in the sense that they both were actors, but their fame tended to transcend the work. They were personalities in their own right, especially her. You just love the concept of them as a couple, not necessarily if it were, and now they're synonymous with each other in the same way. And they both stayed in each other's lives so deeply. I don't like Frank Sinatra. I... Do not care for him at all. But that's the apotheosis of messy couple.
1: (laughs) It really is. And that's another one that I will say during my time in Palm Springs, I heard about so much. All the hot desert nights that they used to have before they were married and after they were married. I remember hearing from a realtor talking about selling one of Frank's former houses that there was a dent in the kitchen counter from where a wine bottle was thrown. Stories like that, that's really all you hear in that part where I grew up. I grew up hearing gossip about Frank and Ava.
0: To go off of that, we all have to talk about the relationship that I love the mess because, hey, nobody talks about these two because most people don't even remember that they were married. I just love that to read one half of the relationship laid out by one of them. It's amazing. But it's Shelley Winters and Anthony Franciosa. Which you knew I was gonna include because of course I was.
1: I um, knew. I'm excited to hear and, uh, so it.
0: both of them were married multiple times. Anthony Franciosa alone was married four times. Shelly Winters was married four times as well. They both loved the concept of getting married, but neither one of them necessarily knew how to make a relationship work. Shelly Winters was actually his second marriage, her third. And you knew it was never going to work out because he literally was getting divorced from his first wife when he met Shelley Winters. They got married as soon as the ink was dry on his divorce papers. They wasted absolutely no time. And if you read Shelley Winters autobiography, I read the entire section about her and Anthony Franciosa. She reiterates numerous times in this book. I don't know why I married him. I don't know why I got married to him. I don't get why I married him. We had a lot of sex. We were always having sex, but I don't know why I married him. I'm just like, Shelley, I think you doth protest too much. I think it's pretty evident why you married him and you just don't want to admit it. Right away, the relationship was not good. Anthony Franciosa had a very, very bad temper. He also was a man's gank. Supposedly, he was having an affair with Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall was very catty to her. And that she would call Shelly and complain that she was waiting for her husband. The calls would go like, you're complaining to me because my husband's late for a date with you. To which Lauren Bacall said, well, if your husband doesn't respect your marriage, why should I? Also, there's a story where she assumed that he was having an affair with Anna Magnani. And so Shelly Winters actually put a butcher knife in her purse and went to Magnani's penthouse in Hollywood pulled the butcher knife out, and began to chase them. It's a very volatile relationship. To hear Shelly tell it, she doesn't know why she stayed. Can't figure out why they got married at all. Every time they talked about breaking up, they would end up in bed together. But she doesn't really know why the marriage lasted so long. I love a good couple that says, you know what? Sometimes that just is how you maintain a relationship.
1: This is so great to hear. I hate and love to say because when I think of an actress who would be prone to smashing bottles and going to people's apartment, <laughs> airing them out, carrying a butcher knife on her, I think of someone like Shelly Winters.
0: Shelly <laughs> not let me down. Shelly very much had a type. If you look at Anthony Franciosa, you look at She talks about how she had a crush on John Garfield. You look at Vittorio Gassman, who was her husband. She really liked dark hair, dark eyes, broody dudes. She loved it. But those relationships never panned out because they were broody dudes who had issues. She kept being hopeful. One of my favorite quotes about Anthony Franciosa, which again, he does not understand why the relationship lasted as long as it did. This is actually from Shelly Winter's autobiography. She says, quote, if sex were an Olympic sport, Franciosa would have been team captain. I think That says everything.
1: <laughs> oh, my
0: goodness. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to transition from that. So I'm just going to throw it back to you. There's really not. I'm going back to
1: a little more on the depressing side here. I was talking about Ava Gardner and her relationship with Frank Sinatra. Interestingly enough, she is a lot of the source material that I found about the next relationship that I'm going to talk about, which is Jennifer Jones and Robert Walker. Which, if you know about Jennifer Jones and Robert Walker, you tend to sit on one or the other side of the fence.
0: And we sit on opposite sides of that fence. I sit on the opposite side of your side of the fence. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to lay out the facts and we're
1: going to start drawing our own conclusions. (laughs) While attending the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, that's where Robert Walker met fellow aspiring actress Phyllis Isley. She had not yet changed her name. They married on January 2nd, 1939, had two sons, Robert Walker Jr. in 1940, Michael in 1941, while Robert got various work on the radio. That same year that Michael was born, Phyllis was discovered by David O. Selznick. This is where Ava comes in because according to her biography, she said, if anyone needed or deserved a happy ending, poor Bob Walker certainly did. She doesn't know whether Walker was an alcoholic during his marriage to Jennifer, but he definitely was when she knew him. And she's quoted as also saying, His agony was that Gone with the Wind's David O. Selznick was also intoxicated with Jennifer and had pursued her as only a determined producer can. When a girl is young and beautiful and an ambitious actress, it's very hard to resist that kind of attention. And from there, she goes into very depressing detail about him drinking, staying at Ava's place, calling for her in the middle of the night through sobs, and it gets very dark, very sad. A lot of people could make the argument that Robert Walker never emotionally recovered from it. It's really the drinking and the depression that led to his death later on. A lot of people allege People have their different opinions. It's hard to say exactly what was going on between them, what really separated them. I can't really comment on that. It's definitely tough to hear about Robert Walker's grief as a result of it.
0: You want to hear the other side of the fence? Yeah, I do. So the other side of the fence. I look at the relationship in a modern context, which some people would say you cannot look at it in a modern context because... The way we look at power dynamics now was not something we looked at then. I understand that. I can't give Jennifer Jones guff. I can't. I'm on the side of her and Robert Walker. Both of them got screwed over by a horrific misogynist system. In this case, there is discussion. We will never know 100%. These people are no longer with us. And it's hard not to see this in a post-Harvey Weinstein world. Jennifer Jones, young aspiring actress, is told by David O. Selznick that he's got his eye on you. He can make you a star. He can also stop your career with a snap of his fingers if you don't put out for him. What do you do if he wants to marry you and you want to keep working? So there is discussion that essentially it was a coerced relationship where regardless of what was said or not said or applied or threatened or what have you that she didn't really have a choice because at the end of the day, he was her boss who said he wanted to marry her and she needed to leave her husband. So I sympathize with both her and Robert Walker. I don't agree that she is an opportunist or that she, quote unquote, benefited from the relationship. Yes, professionally. But from what I've read personally, she also had issues with alcoholism and mental illness. I support love. I wanted them to stay together. I definitely wish they had stayed together because I think they would have been far happier. Daniel Selznick is a horrific human being and I'm against him. <laughs> I can get behind that
1: 100%. Yes. Let's agree on that. I definitely agree with you for the most part. One of the things that really strikes me is so interesting about this relationship is you have two people who went on to be such huge stars meet before either one of them was famous. And they had this relationship and this love for each other. And it's so devastating to see that break because of Hollywood and because of some big shot producer. It's
0: literally the perfect story to an old Hollywood movie. Two young up-and-coming kids break into Hollywood and they vow to do it together and they do and it ends up pulling them apart and destroying their lives. That literally is the Hollywood story right there. It's definitely really tragic to look at That brings up a really
1: good point, though, about Jennifer and about, is this a decision that she wanted to make for herself or had to make for herself? It's interesting to look at. That isn't something that I had really considered. I have always heard a lot about her passion and her drive for acting and that it was unlike anyone else from her era.
0: Both things can be true. That's true. She could just as easily have wanted to succeed as well as being told this is the only way to do it. So if you want to do it, that's your choice. If we're talking about relationships that are vaguely depressing, but we can find some way of looking at it, I always go to the relationship that I have hanging on my wall over here, Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller. This relationship, yes. Is it sad? Yes, it is. But it also frustrates me because I blame Arthur Miller for all of it, (laughs) which is probably not a popular opinion. They started out like a lot of our relationships that we've been talking about. Arthur Miller was married when he met Marilyn Monroe. They started writing to each other back and forth. They were pen pals. And if you've been fortunate to see any of the love letters that they sent each other that regularly go up for auction, they're very beautiful. The fact that he was a writer certainly helped. He decided to leave his wife. They got married. Marilyn gave up a lot. She converted to Judaism, which banned her in Egypt. She wanted to change the style of movies that she was making. She didn't want to make the fluff anymore. She was willing to significantly scale back her career, not give it up entirely, but scale back in order to start a family with him. If you look at any picture from that time period, there's a reason why there's some of the best pictures ever because the joy on her face is so genuine. He talks about how Arthur Miller was the first time she ever actually fell in love. I know a lot of the DiMaggio stands, Okay, yes. But I think that DiMaggio loved her more than she loved him. That's my theory. I think she loved Arthur Miller more than Arthur Miller loved her. To look at those pictures and just see the happiness, it's amazing. It also breaks my freaking heart that around that time she lost a child She was having to deal with dependence on pills, but Arthur didn't help either because Arthur is a writer. And as we all know, writers are particularly temperamental. Arthur Miller would regularly hang out in his study for weeks on end. She would complain that she never saw him. He would just lock himself in his room. He didn't want to be bothered. He didn't want to talk to her. They didn't really have a lot of communication once they got married. He was incredibly jealous of her career. He didn't like how fans would mob them. He also tended to make fun of her performances, and he he would write about her, how smothering she was, and how she was very needy and very clingy, and also she's not that great an actress. And to read those, which again, tend to go up for auction, it's just like, Art, I get that you think you are the best writer in all of writer town, but seriously, you need to get off your high horse. So if anything, I love the mess because I just blame Arthur Miller for all of it. Stop thinking that you were awesome. You were not God's gift. I know we all love the crucible. I wish that he had been a better man. Be a better man, Arthur Miller.
1: It's one of those situations where if he had just done the bare minimum, then we would not be having this discussion.
0: (laughs) What's fascinating to me is Because Marilyn's been so discussed in film, I always say that you can really see how much a movie supports or wants to tear her down based on how sympathetic Arthur Miller is. So like case in point, Blonde, that movie pretty much says that Marilyn was one big ball of crazy. And let's see all the horrible things that happened to her. Adrian Brody is just this doe-eyed, super sensitive Arthur Miller. Why can't you just be happy? What's your problem, girl? Stop. He was definitely a pompous, pompous dude. You don't need to sell me him as this great romantic hope.
1: He definitely struck me as someone who, as I mentioned, with Jaja, would insult her intelligence and career. We leave those men behind. We leave those men in yes. the 20th century, hopefully.
0: That's a transition. We can't not talk about probably the most gaudy, messy couple of all of them. You know where I'm going with this. Wiz and Dick. They are the gold standard of mess. So much so that there have been books written purely just about the mess. We've gotten movies just about the mess. And yet, it is the best relationship that never worked out even after they were married two times. The
1: second time wasn't the charm. But I love them, though. (laughs) They couldn't let each other go. They invented paparazzi. They were that steamy. They were that ridiculous and flashy as a couple. They were the power couple.
0: Somebody listening to this that heard me say Frank and Ava or the Pam and Tommy would be like, How can you say that and not consider Liz and Dick that? Because I guess, yeah, from a paparazzi standpoint, they were very, very much in that vein. What sticks out for me about all of them. So look at Liz Taylor's relationships and the men that she met. Richard Burton was the equal. Yes, maybe Mike Todd being a film producer, maybe financially. If we're talking about just equal level, where I believe that the only person that could actually subsume Taylor's aura is Richard Burton. Because Richard Burton was just as gaudy and just as over the top. They both are the character from Mean Girls that has a lot of feelings, both of them. I just feel that they are the ones that have a lot of feelings and they need to let them out, which is why if you read any of Richard Burton's love letters to Elizabeth Taylor, they're romantic and horny as hell. There is a lot of detail going on that you really need to know about how he feels about her boobs. Probably not. But it's going to sound beautiful. Just going to sound like poetry. And I think that's why I love them. That's the thing about them, too. They are never
1: a couple that I would have expected. But when you really sit and think about it, it makes perfect sense. Because she was basically English. And she's the biggest megastar in the world. And, of course, she's drawn to this hot British megastar. Hot is Welshman. Her. It makes sense. It totally checks out the things that he says about her. That's the kind of stuff you always want to hear. They're definitely one of the tops for me as up and down as they were.
0: I don't know any other couple ever that got condemned by the Pope for erotic vagrancy. I don't know what that means, but it sounds amazing.
1: (laughs) And it was at both of their primes as well.
0: This is the year, the end of last year into this year that I realized Richard Burton used to be hot. It's very weird to me. I don't know how I feel about it, but I know how I feel about it. And I have a lot of feelings. They're both so beautiful. It's difficult to look at them. It is just painful. And to watch something like the VIPs, where a lot of that dynamic was based off of their real life. I know a lot of people look at George and Martha from Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf* and they say, oh, well, that's it. But I still love that. I love the ability for them to be screaming at each other and then making out. It's cliche, but I think that's what we love about it. They run hot all the time. That is in bed and out of bed. That's just how they are. It's great. You said everything about their relationship was big. The diamonds were big.
1: They perfectly embody what I want in an old Hollywood couple. To the T, I would say.
0: There's a quote that said that their lifestyle involved furs, diamonds, paintings, designer clothes, travel, food, liquor, a yacht, and a jet. Who doesn't want that? They got divorced in 74 and then they reconciled in 75. But in the marriage lasted, second marriage at least, lasted less than a year which, again, just makes me sad. And I don't really know who to blame. Arthur Miller, I blame him. I don't really know who I blame and why this relationship just could not work. And I think the answer is, is that you have to blame both of them because neither one of them could get out of their own way. Richard Burton, similar to Arthur Miller in Maryland, he was very jealous of Liz Taylor's career. He also did make fun of how gaudy she was. And at the same time, he felt that he was moody and he was a heavy drinker. There's a lot there, but damn it. I love it so very, very much.
1: That's the kind of couple you don't want it to end. It's like watching a train wreck in front of your face,
0: but you can't help but look. No disrespect, but does anybody remember the woman Richard Burton married after her? Absolutely not. Exactly. And really, we only all know Liz Taylor's husbands because it's a really great party game.
1: You talk about the woman with the husbands. If you just say that to someone, who's the woman with the husbands? You think Elizabeth Taylor.
0: Let's close this out with another relationship that frustrates us. I brought up Audrey Hepburn and William Holden. They met when they were making Sabrina. I love them both. What irks me is that this is really a relationship that died because of ideologies in the sense that she wanted... Children and he did not want children. He didn't want more children. That's what frustrates me. Is I'm like, can't one of you just give ground, just a little bit? You can make this work. Unfortunately, he had had a vasectomy. I know that, but back in the day, you could reverse those.
1: True. Maybe their minds were in different spaces. Also, he had said he was willing to leave his wife at the time, Brenda Marshall, but. They had been married for 13 years at this point, and they had three children. It was a tough situation. And Audrey didn't even really give it a chance to develop or not develop. As soon as she heard the word vasectomy, she was out the door. She wanted children that badly. She wanted children more than she wanted a decent husband. That was the choice that she made. The thing that depresses me about their relationship the most is that in retaliation, William began spreading rumors that he was sleeping with women from all over the world during their press travels, but Audrey basically laughed it off. She ended up announcing her engagement to Mel Farrar a short time later at a dinner party right in front of his face to his absolute shock and betrayal. Even despite that, he maintained supposedly that she was the love of his life. I find that a little hard to believe when you have someone as amazing as his final wife, and I
0: also love Brenda
1: Marshall. So I don't know if I believe that Audrey was the love of his life.
0: Hearing that story, Audrey Hepburn is considered so elegant and sophisticated, but dude, that is petty as hell. And I think I appreciate knowing that she could be a little mean spirited in some way. I was shocked to find that out.
1: It was so unlike her. I don't even know if I fully believe it. Full crowd of people at this dinner party just stands up. Yeah, I'm marrying this guy. And just nobody even knew. Nobody had any <laughs> idea that it was going on.
0: Much like the Jennifer Jones, Robert Walker thing, a lot of people blame Audrey Heppard for Bill Holden's because he was so hung up on her, supposedly. He took to drinking severely, so much so that when they did Paris When It Sizzles in 57 she was a little reluctant to do that because she knew how he felt and they re-teamed, but she did it as a favor to clean him up supposedly it was just a shock for her to see how much of a huge alcoholic he was they had to reshoot significant portions of the movie because he went to rehab and they had to change the plot and if you watch Paris When It Sizzles it is just so obvious there is some sexual tension, but it is all coming from him. That's the one really interesting thing to watch Sabrina and Paris when it sizzles back to back. Because the chemistry between the two of them and Sabrina is mutual. You feel it. You can see both of them really do care for each other. And in Paris when it sizzles, he is trying so hard to get her attention. Part of the character is not supposed to be into him. You can see that she is just not at all on the same wavelength as him it's part of why the movie doesn't work
1: it's tough because i love paris when it sizzles that's one of it's a great movie my, it's so well written i absolutely love them together but it's such a different team at that point as you said he really had changed so much by that point point. and they didn't have that natural chemistry as much anymore like they used to
0: We had so many more we could touch on. I want to throw out some honorable mentions from our Twitter followers. Marcy at Marcy K said Dick Powell and Joan Blondell, which I'm mad we didn't include them. We weren't able to talk about them because we all know I'm team Joan. Screw Dick Powell. He was not worth anybody's time. Just saying that out loud.
1: We could go on and on about Dick Powell and his
0: multiple marriages. (laughs) And how he was horrible we are against dick powell that's a future all i'm going image. to
1: say is that i found out over the last couple of weeks that joan Blondell and mike todd were married and i had no idea i don't know if that was public knowledge or what but i didn't know and i read about it and it, it's insane i'm not going to go all into it google it that's all i have to say
0: <laughs> <laughs> google it after you google bd She also said Rita Hayworth and Orson Welles, which, ooh, Orson Welles gets all, all of the crap because he made her cut her hair and die blonde. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, which, yes, that's another couple that... Why couldn't Desi Arnaz have just stopped screwing around? Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy, one of numerous couples that he stayed married, and we were okay with that, up there with William Randolph Hearst and Marion Davies. And Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner... I think that might be a little too depressing, considering how you look at Natalie's demise.
1: I considered it. I considered it. But yes, similar reasons. That was going to open up a whole can of worms.
0: <laughs> we also got a response from Claire at TinkWeb7, who said Ava Gardner and Frank Sinatra, like Samantha, Esther Williams and Fernando Lamas. Almost consider that of only so that I could have talked about the story of how they first met and fell in love. It involves a really, really awkward placement of a hand on somebody's crotch. One of many stories I didn't think I could tell in good conscience on this podcast. And Lana Turner and all her partners. Thank you all so much for sending in those. Maybe we'll do another episode like this in the future. Samantha, any other honorable mentions you want to throw out?
1: Vivian Leigh and Laurence Olivier was a big one that I wanted to discuss. Also, there are the people going back and forth who allege that Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers had a brief fling and whether they did not. I like to believe that they did just the tiniest of bits. And from what I have heard, Fred Astaire's mother did not approve of her, but he still slipped her the tongue in the movies. So (laughs) that's all we need.
0: The only other one I wish we had time for, and Ike alluded to it in the beginning, was Errol Flynn's, I believe, could do his first and second wives. Lily Demita and him had a very tempestuous relationship, but I always go to the marriage that he had with Nora Edgington, who was his teenage wife, that he met while she was selling concessions at the courthouse while he was on trial for statutory rape. I sit at dinner with your future in-laws and say, hello, sir. I am dating your daughter and I'm going to marry her. She sold me M&Ms while I was on trial for having sex with underage girls. Just want to know how that convo went, Errol. He could charm his way out of literally any situation. He did. I mean, he kind of did. <laughs> they were married, so apparently it worked. And, and he was acquitted. So, I mean, it all worked out for him at the end. Marriage didn't last. You can let us know your thoughts on old Hollywood. Men, messy relationships, what have you, please consider getting in touch with us through a variety of different ways. But that's going to close out Ticklish Business for today. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews matter. So consider leaving us one on Apple Podcasts, five stars, please. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Ticklish underscore biz, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ticklish Biz. You can follow me at therap.com or on my Twitter at journeys underscore film or my Instagram at lopez 88 Samantha Elvis, where are you online?
1: I am mostly on Twitter at Classic Film Geek, but you can find my blog at musingsofaclassicfilmatic.com and you can find my Cooking with the Stars post over at classicmoviehub.com.
0: Then our Patreon helps keep the lights on at Ticklish Biz HQ and gives us chances to do new content like our six weeks with the Thin Man series, as well as a bunch of fun stuff that I have planned for the rest of the year. So consider helping us at patreon.com slash ticklish And again, my book, but have you read the book is out March 7th. You can pre-order it wherever you buy books. We will be returning on March 1st with a discussion about 1939's Withering Heights in honor of the release of But Have You Read the Book? Till then.